1: Another episode of John's the Title Podcast, a partner of MoshPitNation.com. This episode's guest is the man who bleeds for metal. Mr. Max Cavalera of Soulfly, Sepultura, Nail Bomb, and Killer Be Killed. God, this guy just exudes metal. And someone else who exudes metal, Mr. Discuss Metal Dan himself, Mr. Daniel Terry, how are you doing today?
2: Oh man, uh, I've had a very mixed uh, set of emotions the past 24 hours. Um, I uh, talked to Max Cavalera last night and then um, had some family issues today and uh, actually having family issues while John was talking to Max Cavalera. (laughs) And uh, it's been a very weird mix of being upset about things, but then listening to a lot of Soulfly. So, I mean, I'd say all in all, it's a wash. Like, I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good overall yeah and then also friend of the podcast mr
1: joshua Toomey, also spoke to max i guess right before i did so you're potentially if you're a fan of one both or all three of the podcasts mentioned you're gonna get a triple scoop of mr cavalera
2: yeah i mean if you put them all three because i think we all got like what about 20 to 30 minutes each yep so you put all those together you listen to them back to back it's like one massive interview It will be interesting. I was telling
1: Toomey, I go, knowing, like, I I got to see your questions that you sent me earlier when I was working on mine, and you only really hit on one thing that was similar to mine. I don't know what Toomey's are, but I'm assuming maybe his and mine might be a little similar. But I think that's the fun thing about having three different people interview someone is that, you know, potentially you might have some overlap of answers, but for the most part, if. Uh, i don't i don't envision the three of us having really any common ground really maybe other than production on the new record but outside of that i don't see us both having all three of us having any of the same stories so i think that'll be kind of interesting to as a fan of podcasts and as a fan of listening to these these shows uh i'm interested to see how how varied our experiences were with the questions we all asked
2: yeah absolutely and i always i think it's kind of funny too because like you know he's he's doing tons of podcasts this week you know everybody knows that and the funny part to me is that you know it's like bam there you know there was us then there was you then there was to and it, it's like the, we're all talking to him but like he probably has like no idea that like we're all friends and you know talk and, and, right. and kind of coordinate you know with each other about stuff and uh and that that's the fun part to me is that we you know especially especially with me and you john is we were able to kind of i was like well here were my questions you know before you were you know that way, that way. If you're like, oh no, we're doing the exact same interview, you could deflect and change, or you know, or whatever, you know. Yeah. And, but no, I think I think it's really cool, man. And I, like I said, this was the first time I'd ever talked to Max, and so I definitely went into the interview in a bad mood because I had a whole bunch of stuff happen prior to that during the day, and then it's like literally talking to Max Cavalera for 20 minutes. I left him like, you know what? It's all pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it it was kind of funny. Um I think some of my coworkers
1: know that I I do a podcast, but I think it's one of those things like until you see someone doing it. Like I remember as I was talking to Max, uh a kid that just started at our job, walked by and then like saw me with a microphone and I was talking and I kind of like shot him a look like what do you want? And then I see him try to look at my screen, which obviously it's not like Max is on the other end of my screen. Right. But when I got done, he was like what were you doing? I was like doing a podcast. And then he goes, Oh, who are you talking to? It was like Max Cavalera. And he goes, Oh, what does he do? And I was just like, seriously, oh. kids also like literally a kid. I think <clears throat> I, I was don't... like,
2: next you're going to ask me who James Hetfield is. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like...
1: Yeah. He made some joke one day about, I don't even remember what the fuck it was. But I just remember, like, looking at him, and he made a joke and or a reference to something, and I obviously had no frame of reference for what it was, and I was like, okay. And then he comes back to me, like, 20 minutes later, and he's like, do you watch Insert Whatever Show? And I was like, no. And he was like, oh, well, it's, like, a show that's on Nickelodeon. And I was like, yeah, I definitely don't watch Nickelodeon, dude. Yeah, You're like, all I do is, is do
2: podcasts, like, all the time.
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, that was the other funny thing is when he goes, I don't know who Max Caballera is. It's like, oh, that's okay. The dude's been making metal music as long as I've been alive. Right. Just like your lifetime and mine combined are probably almost on par with how long he's been being a seminal, you know, metal guy. Right. I think I would love to have Max back on and kind of do more of a, you know, just a fun chat. Uh, there's definitely probably half of the questions I wrote I didn't ask just because uh, I think, and as you'll find, and you probably had the exact same experience, uh, dude wasn't a slouch when it came to answering questions.
2: No, dude, he answered all of my questions. It's so it's so weird. Like, he really, like, we don't normally get super insightful answers <laughs> from people, and, like, that's not, you know, but it's like Max has been doing interviews, again, like, longer than me and John have been alive. You know, so it's one of those like when when because I'll ask him what I would think to be a pretty simplistic question and get like if this was written down, it'd be like four or five paragraphs worth of answer. And it's all insightful and it's all on topic. He's not it's not one of those. Yeah, I wrote this song in a McDonald's. Hey, you know what I really like at McDonald's? The McChicken because it's blah, 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 blah. No, it's like always on topic. And it's to me like when people are like, what was it like talking to him? It was like talking to like. This dude that you know that loves metal <laughs> that just happens to be in a metal band, you know, like that, that was my experience. And, uh, yeah, like even, even from the, the I, I've, I've heard most of John's conversation now, and it's, it, it, it was the same thing. Like just, just a respect for the interviewer, number one, is the thing that I, you know, like the most, uh, about, about Max, but also just how insightful he was with his answers and, it just seemed like he really cared about the answers. It wasn't like, oh yeah, this new album sounds good. Yeah, it was a really great recording experience. Next question. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> it wasn't anything like that. And I, that's I, that's what I loved about both interviews. I really, I can't wait to hear Toomey's because I know it's going to be, you know, the same thing. Yeah, and speaking of interviews and getting to them,
1: let's get to this interview with Mr. Max Cavalera of Soulfly. <music> I have the pleasure this early afternoon of talking with Max Caballera of Soulfly, who have a new record coming out this Friday, October 19th, via Nuclear Blast Records called Ritual. How are you doing?
3: I'm doing great, man. Good to be here.
1: I hope this uh, gets comes across the way I wanted it to, but uh, this this album is a, is a real motherfucker. Um, I mean, it sounds so fucking good, and Josh Wilbur really, I think, helped you guys bring uh aside out of you that I don't think I've really heard in a while like it just it everything sounds exactly where it needs to be so can you kind of talk to me a little bit about working with Josh
3: Yeah you know um when I had the vision for this this record um I I was really kind of pondering how how am I going to pull this off because uh in one hand was the idea to um bring back some of the elements of the, the early era or so flight that I really love especially the groove and uh, the tribal elements you know and then the other side of it was to continue my uh, my own exploration into extreme metal and death metal, trash metal, black metal, territory that I always love pushing the boundaries of Soulfly. Um, now, how, how we can do both things without losing our identity, that, that was the main thing. And I think Josh was the right guy because he's a producer, but he's also a fan. And he came into the record as a fan, tried to make the record that he wanted to hear as a fan. I made the record as I, that I wanted to hear as a fan of metal. Uh, not particularly soul flight, but metal in general so I think because of those two elements coming together we got the, the best of both worlds and sonically sounds great Josh did a great job and I think the, the songs itself, the lyrics are cool they, 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 are, they work um, the songs are cool are in a good order the album has a cool feeling overall uh, so yeah I'm pretty excited man I think it's a it's, it's definitely a solid Soulfly record that I haven't done one of those in a long time, so it feels really good.
1: You know, it's interesting you say that because, you know, about the just kind of the whole product as a whole, like being a, a solid record start to finish, and I definitely agree with that. How much attention do you actually pay to to a, the track order when it comes to putting out a record? Do you really, are you one of those that's a stickler for everything has its place or just kind of, eh, let it kind of figure it out? Well,
3: no i'm a, I'm a total freak on that you know like you know in fact i go back and forth i used to do that a lot with monty when when monty was in roadrunner all the uh all the sepultura stuff all the play stuff we did together uh monty's still involved um um and i kind of gave him a little bit um a run through of, of the track list and he loved it it was one of the I think first time he never really wanted to change anything he liked everything the way it was the only thing I was uh, kind of like uh, uh, not sure about it was the ending of the record with like I wanted to leave SoFly11 out as a bonus track and-, and have the record only be nine songs.
1: Interesting. Uh,
3: but Josh kind of convinced me that SoFly11 9- was a really great ending for the record. Um, I- I'm not sure. I don't know uh, which one I like the best, without- with or without. But he kind of uh, kind of convinced me that we should leave it there. and. Make for a cool, mellow ending of this of this record, which I think kind of worked too. I'm not any records is not really my forte. I'm not. I never been that good at. I'm. I'm. I'm better at at beginning of the record, at starting record than I am <laughs> ending. I mean, some of my record had crazy ending, like Roots had a 12 minute you know drum jam. Um, you know I think like. Uh, Supply one is really long. Had that that, that, that hidden track from Brazil. Uh, so I'm not that good at ending, but you know I thought it was. Uh, I see his point making the melodic ending. It is kind of like um as, as a little bit like Pantero We playing a caravan, uh, right? Yeah. You know yeah, when, yeah. They, when they ended the record, with playing caravan. That was kind of cool. So I think that has that has the kind of same vibe, the like same kind of feeling, which I think is kind of cool. Well, it's kind of funny you bring up
1: the the whole, you know, ending the album with Soulfly 11. You know, something I've kind of wondered with other bands that, you know, I've talked to that have a carrying theme, you know, a song that is kind of a carry-on from album to album. You know, I was going to say, like, do you – how do you go about writing these these Soulfly 1 through 11s now? Like, do you set out to do them? Do they kind of happen naturally? Or – and then I guess you kind of spoke to this. Do you ever see a time where you're like, yeah, I'm just, you know, eventually – I'm going to be done doing this. I don't want to do another SoulFly 12 or 13 or 14.
3: Um, I probably will keep it as a tradition just because it really fits the, the tradition of the first one that started as an accident. And As much as sometimes uh, it's kind of hard to pull off something different because so much has been done already, we still manage to do, I think, uh, I think SoulFly... Uh, Archangel, Soulfly 10, was really cool with a Duduk instrument for Armenia. That was kind of really worth music, more than anything else. Um, and it was, it was even, even that melodic, it was more like dark. Um, but I, we had some really cool melodic ones. I think Soulfly 5 was one of my favorites with this, it was Dark Ages. We recorded like, it's like 10 minutes long, it's got Bells from Russia on it, flamenco, Mark, Mark playing flamenco on it, sounds brain and stuff. It's, like, really cool. Like, it was really well put together. Um, no, I kind of look forward to them, but they, it's, it's kind of a challenge. I don't know what I'm going to do for Soul Flight 12. It's too <laughs> early to start feeling about that. Uh, but, you know, it's always kind of... But this one was really fun because... I already had the guitar, the original guitar uh, riff was from 25 years ago. I was still in Sepulchre when I wrote that. It was around Chaos AD on a four track. Um, in fact, I think I wrote that in Australia as far as I remember, if I remember right. And uh stayed in my machine in the four track forever, and I never bothered. And this time around, I was like, oh, I got that. Let's bring that out, you know. Uh, Josh heard it. He loved it, and he wanted to keep the original recording. He didn't want me to to re-record it over. So what you hear on the track is the original guitar. Kind of sound a little bit like, like Metallica, a little bit like Faito Black uh, yeah. type, type stuff, you know. It's like real melodic. Uh, but then uh, he put all the drum machine on top of it, the drum loops. And then we, when we put the saxophone on top of it, which is done by uh, his friends from the the Pretty Reckless, um, it was was cool, man. I love when when the sax came in. I think that came, put it all together like really jazzy made kind of a really really um, ambient kind of sounding track, you know. So I'm I'm stoked. With it. I think it came out pretty good.
1: Yeah, I uh, was pleasantly surprised that the when the sax came in. It kind of gave me a very cinematic feel to it, and it reminded me actually and and I hope you take this as a compliment, not like a, a downplay or anything, but it reminded me of like something you know a cinematic opening to something like a, a early nineties movie like a lethal weapon or something where you're getting a lot of you know story real quickly and kind of catching up with what's going on, and here's this kind of interesting music, and to me it's like I don't really. That's kind of the thing I've enjoyed about all the Soulfly songs is that they take you in these completely different places, and this one, you know, kind of has more of, to me, a cinematic feel to it, with the the guitar leads and the sax lead and all that kind of stuff, and I think that's been something that's been a rather interesting thing about every record is seeing what you're going to do to end the record out for these, these Soulfly songs.
3: Yeah, and I I, I I totally don't take that uh, bad at all. I love Little F. Yeah. <laughs> But it does have that kind of '80s kind of feeling of saxophone, you know. I mean, it's inspired by really kind of sax stuff like uh, Peter Gabriel or or Paul Simon, you know. They had a lot of cool, um, a lot of cool saxophone parts. And saxophone, when it's done right, it's beautiful, you know. It's really, really kind of like a vibe it's a vibe thing you know when and when it hits with the right notes at the right time it's it's killer it's perfect and i think this one does that this you know the guy who hit the right notes right at the right time and that uh, doesn't really try to, too much it just kind of blends in with the tune um so i, I was very, very pleased. Cause I remember first asking Josh for a saxophone sex play I almost had a heart attack. He's like, I don't know anybody. How the fuck am I gonna do that? You know, we already like over budget. Right, we spent all the money. We don't have any money like, for this record. You know, there's nothing that. And I'm still asking him to find a saxophone player. You know, uh, they got his friends with the with the the pretty reckless guy, and he came in and did it. You know, and it was cool. um so, I'm glad that the whole thing turned out the way it did. Um, but yeah, because I was listening to the track without it, you know, it was finished. And it was the, the track was done, and we were going to release just like that. And I was like, man, I don't know, it's like, it's just just plain. You need <laughs> something else, man, you know, you need an extra. And then, you know, in my crazy mind, I thought of it, saxophone, that's what it needs, you know, like that little fucking jazzy kind of feeling, you know. Uh, so I'm glad they work out pretty good, and uh, you know everybody feels cool about it. And I, I think it's really interesting, this whole Soulfly melodic song. I thought I was going to catch a lot more hell uh, <laughs> from, from for, for doing that by the fans. I was like, man, a lot of them are going to hate it. and I shouldn't even put it on the record. I should just leave it as a b-side. And if they don't want it, they, they if they want, they can get it. If they don't want it, don't worry, worry about it. It's not going to be on the record. To my surprise, there's more people that really like that stuff than than I can even count. It's it's crazy, the amount of people that. There's even one case that really kind of freaked me out. Um, it, it was in Europe, and it was uh. It was a lady that had cancer it was going to cancer treatment, and uh, she heard the, her, on her treatment she listened to the Soulfly. Melodic songs to make her feel better for for the cancer treatment, and that is like wow, that's heavy. That's like when I wrote those songs, I wasn't even thinking about stuff like that. You know, it's like that's uh, that goes that's a whole other realm of uh, of of the music can do it that. I'm not even cannot even comprehend. But you know, she say really help her with her treatment and stuff, so that's really really cool, man. To hear that, you know.
1: Yeah, most definitely. Um, kind of shifting gears a little bit. You know, and speaking to, you know, having a guest musician on the the Soulfly 11, you know, something that I felt you have always done in Soulfly's career is kind of have the who's who of people guesting on your albums. And this album's no different, and I kind of wanted to focus, because it's a two-part question, you know, when you write these songs, so many of them sound like... It could have been this person's band's song that you're having them guest on. So do you write with these people in mind or is it just kind of a happy accident that you just write these songs and then go, Holy shit, you know, Randy from Lamb of God would sound great on this and it and it just because it happens to fit that, that person's style?
3: Uh well Randy is a total accident. You know, I, like when I wrote when I wrote that behind the eyes, I have no idea he was gonna sing on it at all. It was just a song on the album. In fact it's it's kind of the song that my son was asking me about He's been listening to a lot of old Sepultura records like Schizophrenia and uh, Beneath the Remains. That ask, he was asking me questions about these records, like, how you write a song like that? Like, how you write Sept Schizo, you know, like Resting Pain and, uh, you know, uh, Escape to the Void and uh, Slaves of Pain. How you write this fucking killer, fast, trash song with all these fucking parts and... So cool, man! You know, and I was like, "Well, you know, I tell you what—like, you, you want to do one with me? We do it together." You know, we we build this thing all like like father and son building a rocket ship. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like building like like building a toy together. You know, uh, that was the same approach I took with it. it was like, this is me and him doing it together. And we did it from the beginning. I I I collect all the riffs for it. I made all the parts. I made the chorus. I made the ending. Even the the, the, the lead part, which is really a lot of thought went into that because there's a whole rhythm section behind the lead part. Um, and we executed And then when it was all done, uh, Josh was going to see Randy for uh, the Burn the Priest album. And I kind of just joking with, with, with Josh, say, hey, hey man, show Randy some stuff on this album. If he wants to sing on anything, uh, that would be cool. And I thought maybe he would pick a different song like by the bullet or, uh, one of the tribal songs. Um, and Randy pick that behind the eye. I guess guess the minute he heard that, he loved it. Uh, and I think it's great and I love it. And I think it's so funny. I hear some, some, some of the comments and people say, ah, it sounds like a Lamb of God song, you know, (laughs) it's like like, man, you know, I I didn't wrote with that intention at all. Um, now, ross is different i wrote for him so okay. yeah fuck yeah i was a lot of immolation. a lot of fucking death metal you know uh you can tell by the riffs they have that kind of evil yeah the, the blast beat riffs super evil um the first part of the riff is almost like like an old uh, morbid angel part from altar of madness or something um and i was uh you know imagine ross singing on this part said so, and uh, my favorite thing is when he says rapture, you know, with, with a heavy voice.
0: Right. When
3: he go, goes into that the little tremolo, picking with the guitar. Fuck yeah, man. It's like earth shattering. <laughs> it's fucking so good. <laughs> and I love Ross's vocals. Um, I'm a big Immolation fan. I met Ross in 1991 in New York with Sepultura. And I'm so glad our, our paths cross again so many years later touring with the the Roots, the Return to Roots tour in Malaysia, Full of Hell. We got to become friends again, and I invited him to be on the record. The, the, the funny thing, I didn't told him, I haven't officially asked him, but I did an interview with Blabbermouth or something, and I said that he was going to sing on the album, and he didn't know. And so he read it before he even knew that it... <laughs> <laughs> so he read that in the interview, and then he called me, like, What's going on, man? I'm on your record? I was like, oh, yeah, shit, man, I forgot to tell you. Uh, can you be on the new of my record? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was like, it was totally retarded, Max, you know, just being being an idiot. Um, but I'm so glad we did it, and it was a lot of fun. And I can't wait to perform those, any of those two songs. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be, like, awesome.
1: Yeah, I kind of want to actually speak about behind the Dead Behind the Eyes as well. Um, because maybe... I'm misunderstanding the lyrics or kind of whatever, because all I get is just the album as it is, no no uh, lyrics or anything. But I feel like I hear a reference to Cenobites, which obviously is from Hellraiser. So is it yeah. safe to say this is sort of inspired maybe by uh, the Hellraiser movie?
3: Oh, yeah, big time. You know, um, when I started working with a song, it was called Cenobites. Okay. Uh, the, the, the original nickname was Bruiser Brothers, but that was just the, you know the funny nickname we gave in the studio um it became Stanovites and I was reading a lot um watching a lot of hellraiser I loved the movie I love the characters you know Pinhead and the all the creepy fucking guys like oh, yeah. I loved I loved the whole world that Clive Barker created all the hell priests the whole thing is fucking freaky and scary <laughs> and crazy um, and then the whole pleasure and pain thing too is awesome, you know uh, Especially the guy With the, with the chains and go Jesus wept and explodes I mean <laughs> That part is... I rewind it probably like 20 times, you know, like fuck yeah, this part is great um, But then I did a little bit of research on Cenobites itself mm-hmm. And I found out that actually a religious sect from years and years ago uh, back in the Greek times they were like uh, monks that used to, to uh, self-immolate and hurt themselves in the name of religion. And, and so a lot of it's still going on today in some parts of the world, you know. So so that was kind of cool because I, I kind of put both two and two together. It was like, the, the lyrics is about Cenobites from Hellraiser, but also from Cenobites, the monks itself, the original, probably the original place where Clyde Barker got the idea is from these monks. Mm-hmm. I would assume that you know, um, and that's why there's like the lyrics like uh, you know, no pain, walk on fire, cenobites, I know you're kind, your kind, you're dead behind the eyes. Now that's totally a razor, you know, dead right. behind the eyes, like the, the the evil incarnation of those things, you know. Um, and and in 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 the in the in the slow part. I think I even say Hellraiser. Hell yeah,
1: yeah. That's what kind of tipped me to be like. I think I give the total. Yeah.
3: I just give it out. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I, I, I give out the secret right there. Came from Hellraiser for sure. Yeah, I love doing this kind of movie uh, songs. You know, the other one was uh, Voodoo of the Godsend for the uh, The Metal Allegiance. Mm-hmm. That was based on Serpent in the Rainbow. Another movie I really love, Wes Craven nightmare voodoo movie i don't know if you've seen it or not but uh, if you haven't you gotta check it out this movie is fucking insane <laughs> patient voodoo is fucking amazing
1: yeah with that song and, and i thought i had remembered you doing another song which i guess you just confirmed that there was sort of something else that you've done inspired by another movie so it kind of made me wonder have you ever thought of just as a fun project maybe doing a loosely concept record based around, you know, horror movie themes or whatever and doing like you did with this
3: with uh, Dead be Behind really the cool. eyes. That would be really cool. Uh something like that, you know, all inspired by uh either horror movies or my favorite movies or something, you know, that because I I done a lot of songs inspired by that cuz you know Red War uh from ProBot was, was uh inspired by this movie The Man Who Became like a really old, from the 70s kind of movie. You know, Jeffrey Dahmer, of course, inspired by a lot of Jeffrey Dahmer documentaries and stuff. Um, so, yeah, man, you know, for sure, that's a that's a great idea. I would, I'm going to keep that idea in mind. That's a killer. <laughs>
1: um, you know, something I wanted to talk about is... You know, I think it's safe to say that you've been known for being a family man in every sense of the word with the band and so forth. You know, your son's in the band, you've done, you know, projects with your brother, your wife is your manager. What is it about having family so closely related to your projects that appeals to you?
3: Well, I think it comes from my my home in Brazil, how we started, because my mom was heavily um, involved in everything. Uh, she was even our manager for a while, um, before we had, you know, guard, you know, and everybody was in, back in the Brazilian days. It's like more provisions days, you know. Um, we had a house that was always metal oriented, meaning there was always people in my house from metalheads from different parts of Brazil who come and stay in my house. My house was almost like a hotel, like a metal hotel. <laughs> Um, I lived there that for a long time When he joined the band Okay um, You know, so I took it from dad And made it a new twist on it With my new life That I created here in Phoenix, Arizona uh, With my own family Which is really big You know, I adopted uh, Five kids And have two kids of my own So it's a big fucking family You know um, And we work with all of them Which is great, man You know, like Zion plays drums for Soulfly, you know, uh, Gloria does the managing, you know, Richie goes on tour with us in January uh, with Insight, Uh, Igor has uh, Lodi Kong with his brother, Uh, sometimes they go on tour with us, sometimes some of them do crew work, you know, my stepson Jason was was a bass crew in the last tour we are a full metal family and i love it it's not uh, not fake you know not 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 a uh, a put together family metal family fake just for the hell of it it's for real you know we are real truly a metal family that loves the works and everybody loves helping doing stuff with it and i love it man i think it's great it's how i always wanted to, to have this and that's right why from the beginning i never uh hid from the fans the fact that i was a family man you know it started from chaos zion's heartbeat opening chaos ad Mm -hmm. then having the kids hands on soulfly 3 uh their chants are in many of the soulfly records like mulambo and less of the mohicans so family is huge man and we a uh, true cool metal family that I love it, you know, and and it's cool because my house is always, there's always some noise, you know, like my son will be listening to death metal in his room, real loud, I fucking love that, you know, walk by, open the door, like, what are you listening to, man,
0: <laughs> you know,
3: um, sometimes Gloria's in the kitchen cooking and she's blasting uh, Lodi Kong and uh, Insight and Soulfly while she's cooking uh which cool, man you know that's it's there's a cool vibe here in the house there's a cool metal vibe in the family house which is really cool
1: and then kind of my last two questions for you um you know you've celebrated some some very iconic albums you know with you guys doing the the roots record and the nail bomb self uh, first album i was kind of pleasantly surprised i mean obviously you're probably working on this new record but i was sort of surprised to see that you didn't celebrate the first uh soulfly record turning 20 this year was there any thoughts of doing that?
3: that was, a little bit went on, but then I decided to celebrate by making a new record. That was kind of the twist on top of it, you know. So instead of going out and playing the first record, we which we should have, we could have done it. Um, we we'll probably even get some of the members to do it. Maybe Lucia would have come back, and uh, we could have get Roy to do it. Uh, I tried to do something kind of that moves more to the future, which is making a new record, you know, and right. the new record be influenced by the first record. Um, so that was kind of my twist on it. But, uh, yeah, I still love the idea. I still think it's possible to do it at some point later, you know. Um, we're doing Beneath the Remains and Arise in uh, South America next week. We did it in Russia. People lose their shit. They lost their minds. <laughs> it was fucking great. So many great songs, man. It's so cool to play you know Slaves of Pain and Infected Voice and Primitive Future the underdog songs and nobody talks about it you know uh, of course the main songs are always great but to me the real fun was playing you know Infected Voice <laughs> it was like whoa shit <laughs> we never even got to play this in Sepultura I don't think you know never even put that on a set list ever before the songs rips man they're a killer you know um, so that was that was really fun so I look forward to doing more of that
1: and then uh kind of just a, a fun last couple of minutes while I got you uh I'm here in Grand Rapids Michigan and I know you are a Lions fan which I think is pretty interesting cuz out of all the teams you could pick even your your Arizona Cardinals there uh the fact that you are a Lions fan is is just I think it's very it's a very metal uh football team to like the the underdog that pretty much never wins <laughs> um
3: exactly you know <laughs> I, in fact when I picked them which was about 10 years ago you know uh, all, everybody told me, don't pick them, they never win, they, you get get ready to lose, <laughs> get ready to lose. And I'm like, you know, what? that suits me, man. You know, I love the underdog story. I love, um, but I know that one of these days they're going to do it. I just know it. You know, I don't know, maybe not this year, we're not quite there yet, but. It's coming, man. It's coming. It's gonna happen.
1: <laughs> what do you think of the changes that the the organization has tried making in the last couple of years? I think this has the, been the the biggest upside I've seen in probably the last decade plus.
3: Um, I I'm optimistic actually. I think uh, you know I think it's going it's going you know we beat Patriots and we beat Green Bay.
0: I
1: know
3: we haven't really done those things in years, you know. <laughs>
1: No, <laughs> uh,
3: that's huge. That's huge. And then we lost some stupid games, <laughs> but I think we gotta like correct that, to make it more stable. You know, that's that's the thing that bugs me about the Lions. It's not consistent. You know, I mean, we go we go and we beat the we beat the Packers and we we beat the we beat the Patriots and then we lose to. The Jets, in the first blowout <laughs> of the year, man. Like, what the fuck is going on here? Even the Dallas game, we should have won that, man. That should've. Dallas game was like, I know it was like the last-minute field goal type shit that I hate when it happens in football. Unless it's my team doing the field goal, you know? Right. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's cool, man. I think it's a good team. Um, I love these this new guys, you know, Kerry and Johnson. I mean, it's oh, great. Oh, he's so good. All the day, Marvin Jones. Uh, Stafford's got some weapons, man, for sure.
1: Have you been able to catch a game this season? Are you gonna, going to be able to?
3: Yeah, they're actually going to play the Cardinals here in December. I'm going to go to it.
1: It's funny. I, I'm going to see them in December as well, but sitting outside in Buffalo.
3: <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm excited for that. i actually been trying to – my wife has been trying to contact somebody. Um, hopefully one of them are a metal fan that we can – um, hopefully, make some kind of friendship or something, you know, because I've been to, to uh, Ford Field. I did a tour there. Yeah. Uh, and it was great. I had my son with me. We walked on a field, took pictures. It was killer, you know, it was a great day. Um, we're hoping that uh, somebody in the organization that c- can help us out, you know, hopefully, you know, so we can find somebody out of those. 30 Guys 1 Must be a metal fan you
1: know? <laughs> <laughs> Right I always think It'd be really cool If you could somehow Do like a Lions theme Or something That they end up playing
3: Right Something like that Or like a Lions guitar Or something That'd be really cool
1: Yeah And uh Kind of been wrapping up I always like to end These episodes uh, Out with a song But before I have you Pick a song uh, Where can everyone Find you guys And or the band
3: Um All the the normal uh, Things In so Supply Tribe uh Instagram uh, Nuclear Blast, Gloria Cavalera Facebook, Soulfly.com, all this, uh, you know, they can get our stuff, uh, information from us on all of those outlets, you know?
1: And then, uh, as I said, I'd like to end these out with a song. Uh, if there's anything you would like me to end it out to, uh, what would you like me to play it to?
3: Um, I like uh, Red War from Probot. I thought that was really cool. It kind of remind me of Territory a little bit it was a cool project. Dave Gro playing drums. That song was always in uh, had a good spot in my heart. I think it came out really clear. Cool. And uh, you know, it's it's a cool it's a cool metal track for a very cool project.
1: Yeah, most definitely. Well, Max, thank you so much for taking the time. And uh, I know you guys just announced a tour. I think uh, in the last 24 hours. So hopefully, try to catch the date you have in Michigan. Even though I don't know where exactly you guys are playing. <laughs>
3: Right on brother. Nice talking to you, man.
1: You as well. Thank you very much. Take care. So that was my chat with mister Max Cavalera of Soulfly, Sepultura, Nail Bomb, Killer Be Killed. The list goes on. And you know, I thought I thought that was a pretty fun conversation. Um you know, something I, I try to strive to do with these, these chats and some of the questions I ask is not necessarily keep it onto any one thing, but kind of have a nice spectrum of a lot of stuff. So you kind of feel like if it's only 30 minutes, it feels like way more. And I, that's something I've noticed that Dan has actually kind of made me more aware of that I, I guess I
2: tend to do pretty pretty much all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely... Uh felt like more than 30 minutes listening to it, but not like in a painful way and like, Oh my God, when is this going to be over? But, uh, it just the time flies, you know, like we were saying before, uh, in the intro earlier that, you know, he, he'd give such long answers to things, but it wasn't boring. It was always interesting stuff. Like I, I really liked how, you know, he got into like, I, cause I had no idea that on, um, at the Soulfly 11, you know, that he, um, that that was actually, like, he wrote that 25 years ago.
1: Yeah, that was pretty fucking wild. And <laughs> I, f- I felt kind of like a dick saying that it gave me strong Lethal Weapon
2: vibes. <laughs> I was I was chuckling because I was listening to that in the car, and I was just chuckling, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, I, I totally get where he's coming from yeah. on that. It's like saying that saying that to the artist, because I, I definitely had the same feeling when I heard that song that, like, I was like, I feel like I'm I'm watching a movie, like you know, and they're playing like a montage of whatever's happened in like the previous two movies or something, you know. Yeah. And like as cheesy as all that sounds, it's cool, you know. Yeah. No, it was pretty cool, and I mean, like even the the whole thing.
1: I mean, it's kind of funny because I feel like anybody who is big into music usually is probably big on to movies and so forth and draws parallels. So, I mean, and that even speaks to the whole point of, uh, behind dead eyes, you know, with the whole Cenobite hellraiser thing. But dude gave me, Max gave me a fucking history lesson on as to where cenobites came from.
2: Yeah, I know that was pretty cool. He, he talked about that with our chat last night as well. Oh yeah. Um, talked a lot. Yeah. About us. Cause I asked him, uh, about lyrics because I'm a big lyrics guy. I was like, you know, your lyrics are always really great. Um, what are you gonna What are you gonna talk to us about in this new album? You know, Ritual. And he immediately went into the Cinnabites <laughs> thing. And it's funny because it, you know, being around Halloween, I every year around Halloween, I watch like three or four Hellraiser movies, usually the older ones. And so I was like, it was like right. It was like, dude, you read my mind. Like, yeah, of course. The thing that kills me about those Hellraisers is it's. it's- Third one that
1: basically undoes the whole the two movies before it? I don't know. Semantics at that point. I just remember each one seemingly just distances itself further from the the movie that came before. It's almost like it's like if I were to make Hellraiser one and two and then you were to make three but only off of what someone told you it was about, and then you were like, go. I feel like that's yeah. how that that franchise has progressed, where you're just like, what the fuck is going on? It's basically, I remember catching one, I think it's like six or seven, and I was like, this just feels like a Skinamax movie with Pinhead
2: in the corner like a dirty cuck. Right. <laughs> oh, my God. That's hilarious. Well, <laughs> um, yeah, no, you they they've ruined pinhead pretty bad like i this previous summer i watched the newest hellraiser movie i don't remember what it's called but it's like a a hellraiser movie in 2018 and yeah it was like putrid and gross and weird or whatever but like it's so out of touch with what hellraiser was (laughs) as a franchise yeah it's like yeah i mean pinhead's in there you know but he's not like the same because like the Cenobites and i don't I, i didn't uh I haven't read the lyrics yet to to the new Soulfly song about Cinevites, but my understanding is that Cinevites were basically, like, not good or evil. They were just people that experienced different experiences. And, like, that was the whole thing. But, like, some of the experiences that they sought were, like,
1: horrifying, you know? Well, as it was – okay, so I guess maybe Max didn't explain this part to you then. Um, so as he was kind of saying, they are from – I believe he said ancient greek times yeah. and yes. that basically they were part of a civilization um right yeah, yeah, yeah okay and it almost made it seem like he didn't go down that whole rabbit hole with you <laughs> he
2: he did actually um but it was uh you know he did but like i said he he so, said so much about it that i like i'm gonna have to re-listen to that interview to even remember some of his answers <laughs> to his questions because like, I remember the high points and and all that and, you know, it, I mean, I've been a podcaster for a little while now, but, like, there's still a certain sense of, like, holy shit, I'm talking to Max Cavalera that, you know, was in my brain during that whole interview. Because <laughs> so, uh, it's, it's a big deal for me. Like, it, 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 I'm a fanboy. Like, people can say, you know, whatever they want to say about Max and, you know, whatever, but, like, at the end of the day, like, this dude has been in my headphones my whole life basically you know yeah and to, to finally get to to ask him questions and and him actually answer my questions and stuff that's just that's huge so uh um, yes. yeah he did he did go into that about the Cenobites and and the history and um he really perked my interest on some of these songs because there's one uh about about a girl who was basically the victim of of police brutality and how the police had no you know I think right, that one there was, was th- the
1: bite bite the bullet I think
2: was that one bite the bullet I believe yeah and uh you know we talked about that too for a little while and you know like it just it's just blowing my mind how a band like Soulfly like at this point like a guy like Max at this point in his career can go from something kind of more like fantasy horror like Cenobites to um to like real world issues like just just like that, like it's nothing, and, uh, you know, I don't know, I just, I, I can't wait to to crack open the lyrics, this is definitely going to be a vinyl, a vinyl buy for me. Yeah, no, it was
1: definitely a really good listen, it's a really strong record all the way through, and something that I thought was kind of fun, kind of lastly touching on the, the whole, you know, Cenobite type thing, you know, I had asked him, you know, would you be interested in maybe doing a concept record based around horror movies that you're into or whatever since you're able to because like he ended up saying this is he's done one other song um based around uh, a movie like that and it was kind of cool to hear him really just sit with it for a minute and be like "Well, yeah that yeah i think that'd be a lot of fun uh i never thought about doing something like that so it's almost like and i almost immediately as soon as he said like he might do that next or you know soon i was almost going to be like can i get a, a sort of writing credit for coming up with the idea for you to do it right <laughs> i just want that producer credit that's your staple
2: man you you give people ideas you, they run with it they give you credit i steal it all I still works have, out
1: taking it from josta man you gotta have one pitch every episode every time gotta hustle 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 <laughs> yeah that's right
2: maybe i'll have a d snyder record out next year sounds good to me man maybe i go back and forth on that whether i'm excited about that or not it's pretty good it's out yeah no i've i've oh okay. i've heard it but i'm my statement still stands no oh, okay
1: <laughs> well i mean speaking of things that i think will stand i think this uh new record ritual i think it's going to stand up against a lot of the other soul material um i mean you know, like Max said in the very beginning, uh, he wanted to go back to the grooves, and there are a fuckload of catchy grooves on this. The drums are good. Josh, I think, is quickly—I mean, he's—Josh Wilbur, that is, has is—has uh, a—he's been producing for a while now. But I think, like, Josh is really coming into his own uh, with his mixing style and has found a really good complementary style for metal where, like, the drums are punchy, they sound really great, but nothing is fighting for space— Everything fits exactly where I feel like it's supposed to be. Like, you can hear all the little nuances of Mark in his crazy, you know, solos, which, I mean, I didn't get to talk about that with Max, but holy shit, Mark Rizzo on this record is just a stupidly underrated guitar player, and if you didn't yeah. know that for whatever fucking reason, then this record is going to show you so much of what this dude can do. Um, Zion, or Zion Zion? I don't know how you pronounce it. Zion. Zion, Yeah. The drums this kid's playing on this record sound fucking great. There's some really good, nice uh, double bass patterns and a lot of cool uh, just drum fills and stuff that I was pretty, pretty impressed with. I mean, there's even a fucking
2: flute on this record. There's yeah, saxophones
1: and right? a flute.
2: <laughs> yeah, the flute. Uh... Yeah, the flute was definitely uh, out of nowhere. But, but it you know what, like, man? If, if you've been listening to Soulfly this long and you're weirded out by a flute, like you might need to check out a different band because th- there's always weird instruments on Soulfly albums, and you're never really expecting them. But we, like, really, we kind of all should be at this point.
1: Well, that was the fun thing about the whole sax thing. You know that story about how they had already
2: gone way over budget. <laughs> right? He's like, he's like, dude, we are out of money for recording this he's like (laughs) he's like hold on hold on hold on hold on i'll 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 have my buddy come in and do it uh and he was from uh the pretty reckless right yeah 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 it's awesome
1: yeah no it was definitely another unexpected story that uh, you know and that's the great thing about just letting you know people who have great stories like that like i think max should have his own fucking podcast where he just sit down with max and have him tell you stories of like the last 30 some odd years of him being in a band but if you would like to keep up with Max and the rest of the Soulfly Camp, uh, their new record, Ritual, comes out this Friday in two days as of when you're hearing this. Um, go pick it up, like I said, and like we've been saying, it's a really solid record. Um, this, this might actually make its way into my top records of the year, um, and I've only had it for a couple of days, but I kept going back to the whole thing. It'd be done, and I'd be like, again, again, again. And I think it's, uh, there's a lot of cool nuances to it. The guest vocalist spots and everything are fucking great. Um, yeah, so go catch them. Uh, if you would like to keep up with them, you can go to, uh, basically Facebook, Twitter, and all that stuff. It's just at Soulfly Tribe. Uh, if you would like to go to soulfly.com, simple enough. Uh, Max, I don't believe has anything, but again, you can go to Gloria Cavalera on Facebook, I believe, and probably everywhere else. And I know from, Following her on Facebook, she posts a lot of live uh, footage of the Soulfly guys when they're playing. So if you like to see behind-the-scenes stuff like that, uh, that's a good follow. And, Dan,
2: where can people follow you? You can follow me on Twitter at DiscussMetalDan. You can follow me on Facebook under Daniel Terry. And uh, you can find my other podcast, Discography Discussion, at DiscussMetal.com.
1: Who have a new episode coming out probably by the time you're hearing this with yeah, Max Cavalera.
2: Out it's out right now.
1: Oh, well fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> and if you would like to keep up with our partners over at Moshpit Nation, you can over at moshpitnation.com. Facebook is Moshpit Nation West Capital MI, Twitter and Instagram are simply Moshpit Nation. And if you would like to keep up with our show sponsor, The Bean Bastard, you can do such at thebeanbastard.com, The Bean Bastard on Facebook and Instagram. And Dan's going to tell you real quickly about five-star rating and reviewing.
2: Oh my goodness, five-star reviews are the bread and butter of podcasts. If we're your favorite podcast, leave us a five-star review. It's a no-brainer. It helps us out. It doesn't cost you anything. It only costs you maybe two or three minutes of your time, if even that. Um, but we really appreciate the ratings. The ratings actually help us get exposure, too. Uh, we will show up in search results a lot higher up whenever you're searching for, like, music podcast or interview podcast or, or you know, or, like, if you type in Max Cavalera we have a much higher likelihood of showing up if we're a highly rated podcast. So if there's something you feel like you could be doing for the podcast to help us out, literally the best thing you could do is to rate, review, and subscribe.
1: And if you would like to help us out monetarily, you can become a show sponsor. You can email us at johnsontitlepod at gmail.com. Another way you can support the podcast monetarily, if so inclined, is by going to Patreon, patreon.com slash Podcast, and checking out some of the perks that we have. Uh, A dollar will get you a shout-out on these episodes, so I'll go ahead and shout-out our first patron, Sarah Schneider. Thanks for being a patron. Uh, Hopefully you're enjoying those bonus episodes that Dan and I have recorded. And if uh, you would like a shout-out and or would like to hear the bonus episodes we've done, head over there. We're doing cool stuff. So go ahead and do it right now when you're it's done with this. Easy. It's Just that easy. Just head over there. And uh, if you would like to keep up with all things the podcast, you can do such over on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, as long as it is not down, uh, at Johnson Title Podcast. And on Twitter, it's Johnson Title Pod. And email us at johnsontitlepod at gmail.com. And we are going to end this episode as we always do. And as you heard Max say, he wanted me to play it out to Red War off of the Probot record, taking it old school Uh, I think it's a really criminally underrated record, actually, that ProBot record that Dave Grohl put together, some of the best musicians in rock and metal and all that and hardcore. And uh, so much so, Max loves this song so much so that actually sometimes it makes its way into the Soulfly live set. So, uh, again, we're going to end it out to Red War by ProBot, and we will talk to you next time.